Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. This month we're looking at the work and call of missions to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world in which we live. And as we begin in our first two talks, this being the second, our focus is on the motivation for bringing the gospel to the lost. When we think of motivation, there's all kinds of things that give motivation. I don't know if you enjoy sports movies, but sometimes I enjoy watching a good movie about an underdog team that comes from behind to win the day. And in those movies, often the turning point comes when the coach gives some kind of rousing speech to his team. They're in the locker room, they're all dressed up for the game perhaps, and then the coach sits them down and begins to give the talk that turns the hearts and increases the motivation so when the team gets on the field, they work harder than they've ever worked before. Oh, beloved Lord, what motivates us for bringing the gospel? Certainly we need pep talks, so to speak. We need to be in church each Lord's Day to hear God's word and be encouraged in it. But the motivations for bringing the gospel to the lost world, they're not just pep talks. The reason the church has lived and died to bring the gospel to sinners hasn't been because of some kind of mere emotional stirring they get once in a while from a good speaker. Instead, it is based on eternal realities. Last week, we looked at the eternal reality that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There is a God. He is holy, and he will judge you on the final day. But today, we see something else. That not only was Paul motivated by the fear of the Lord, but Paul was also motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. You see, what Paul had come to see is that the very one who would stand on the final day as judge was also the one who gave his own life, that he might save the people who were worthy of condemnation. There are many motivating forces in this world, but the ones that endure are not just talk. They are action and reality rooted in action. And the reality Paul has for motivating him to bring the gospel, the reality we are to have to lead us to Christ and motivate us to share the gospel with others, is the love of God shown in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our text for today is also from 2 Corinthians 5. It comes just a little bit later than what we read last time in verse 10 and 11. It comes in verses 13, 14, and 15. There we read these words, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God... Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now as we begin, we're reading these odd words in verse 13. If we're besides ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. That sounds a little strange. What is Paul talking about? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is defending his ministry. He was uh, attacked by many as perhaps not being a true gospel preacher, not being a true apostle. And of course, the people who attacked him themselves were false because Paul indeed was a true gospel preacher. But when he defends his ministry, he speaks of how he does the things he does in his life for the sake of the gospel. 
He says, if we're beside ourselves, it's for God. There was a time when Paul was bringing the gospel. He himself was actually on trial before two men named Festus and Agrippa. Festus was a governor. Agrippa was a king. And when he brought the gospel, he spoke of how Christ came and died and rose from the dead. And he did so that you might be made right with God. And when Festus heard the teaching of Paul, he said to Paul, Paul, you are beside yourself. Your great learning has driven you mad. And what Festus was saying is that Paul seemed like he was just a little off his rocker. And when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.13, he says this, If we're beside ourselves, it's for God. If you think we sound a little strange, it's because we are bringing the message of God, and you might not quite understand it. But then he goes on to say, if we're of sound mind, it's for you. If you are grasping this, if you are laying hold of this, if we are able to communicate this message to you, that is our goal. Our goal is to bring it in a way that you might hear it and you might believe it. Now, why does Paul act in this way? Why is Paul sometimes beside himself and sometimes of a sound mind? Why do people sometimes understand him? And why do sometimes people scratch their heads and say, Paul, your great learning has driven you mad? Well, the answer comes in verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. Now, there's many ways we can speak to the love of Christ, and we need to understand that. Love of Christ could be love that we have for Christ. There's once a famous pastor, he's still alive and with us and continuing to serve today. His name is John Piper. He had a quote about evangelism, about sharing the gospel with others, and he said this, that evangelism is all about how much you love Jesus. If you love Jesus greatly... No opposition will ever cause you to close your mouth or to stop speaking about Jesus. But if you don't love Jesus very much, no encouragement will ever open your mouth to speak about Jesus. Evangelism is all about how much you love Jesus. Now, I love that quote. It's one of my favorites, but it's not entirely accurate. Not entirely. So when Paul says the love of Christ compels us, He's not speaking about his love for Jesus. He's speaking about Jesus' love for the lost. Continue with me in verse 14 where Paul says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You see, when Paul speaks of the love of Christ, He says he knows this love because he understands that if one died for all, then all died. Where is he going to speak of the love of Christ? He is going to the cross. It is on the cross that we understand the love of Jesus. And we understand it in its fullest possible way. This is a teaching that has been handed down in the church for many, many years. And it's just a teaching that shows the beauty of the cross as the display of God's love. It's, it's what is displayed and spoken of when people quote that famous verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, the cross is the place we see God's love. One of the great preachers of today is a man named Sinclair Ferguson. He writes this, When we think of Christ dying on the cross, we are shown the lengths to which God's love goes in order to win us back to himself. We would almost think God loved us more than he loves his son. We cannot measure his love by any other standard. He is saying to us, I love you this much. 
And one of my favorite older pastors is a man named Ian Murray. And he wrote this, The cross is the pulpit from which God preached his love to the world. What this means in Paul's understanding, what this means for the Christian, is that when we come to understand the love of God shown in Christ for this world, for the lost, who did Christ die for? When Jesus explained who he came for, he said, I did not come to call the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick need a doctor. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Christ came to save sinners, and who did he die for? He died for sinners, as Romans 5 teaches us. And what it means is that when we look at the cross, we see the love that God has for sinners. And that love is to be a motivation when we come to understand the beauty of God's love. That love leads us to care also for those who are sinful. And that love causes us to also bring the truth of who God is to those who are his enemies, that they perhaps might be saved and come to a knowledge of salvation through repentance and hope in Jesus Christ. There's a few things we want to open up as we continue in this and just think of this a little bit together today. First of all, we need to understand that love and God's love for mankind, for lost mankind, is one of the great motivations and foundations and scriptural truths that God wants us to have in our hearts and minds and to live by. For you today, we need to begin by saying that means you have to realize that God loves you. Now this is something that can be a challenge for some people to see and understand. Especially if, by God's grace, we have begun to become aware of the need we have for Christ. If we are aware of how we fall short, if we're aware of how we sin against God, if we're aware that we're not as good as the world sometimes says we are, if we have begun to have conviction of our own sinfulness, sometimes it can be tough to understand the love or how God could love us. God would say to us today, if you want to know that I love you, don't look at yourself. If you want to know that I love you, don't try and see if there's anything lovable in you. If you want to know that I love you, you need to look at the work of my son on the cross. He died for all that all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You see, Christ died to give you hope, to give you new life, to transform. And if you want to know God's love for you, then simply look at the cross and there be convinced that God loves you with an undying love. But, says Paul, don't let it stop there. Paul will go on having this love of Christ compelling him, anchored in the cross, to cry out at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 these words, We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, Paul's understanding of the cross and Paul's understanding of the love of God for sinners shown on the cross led him to become someone who pleads with others and implores them on behalf of Jesus himself 
to turn from sin and be reconciled to God because of what Christ has done. And that idea of God's love, it is something that is to be anchored in our souls if we are looking to Jesus. Not to ourselves, but if we look to Jesus, we are to know God's love for us. And Paul says in Romans 8 that love is something which nothing can ever separate us from if we know God's love in Christ. But secondly, this love also motivates. It motivates us to plead with people to realize the cross is enough. The cross is sufficient. If you look to Jesus, all your sins can be forgiven because God made him who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, to become sin for us. That was what happened on the cross. He became sin, took upon himself the penalty of our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, that you might be made holy and pure and acceptable. What has motivated the church to bring the gospel to lost sinners, what has motivated Christians to leave family and friends to bring the gospel to a lost world. Two great things. One, the fear of the living God and the holiness that comes in God's judgment. And two, the love of God shown in Christ for sinners. And therefore, a pleading on God's behalf to have sinners reconciled to God. What motivates you? What motivates you? May the fear of God and the love of God be the anchors that lead you to live for Christ and share him with the world around you. Next week we'll begin looking at how God allows us to do this and how the power of God is on display through the gospel in you. The Lord's blessing.